Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Welcome to the Mystic Order podcast. We are the Mystic Order of East Alabama fiction writers. I'm Mystic Gail, the Mystic Queen. I'm Mystic Marion, the Mystic Dog Whisperer. I'm Mystic Joanne, the Defender Mystic. I'm Mystic Margie, the Illuminator Mystic. And I'm Mystic Katie, the Oracle Mystic. And our subject today is fiction writing because we're fiction writers. Gail. That does not mean that does not mean that we will stay on the subject because obviously if you heard our last two podcasts, we did not stay on the subject, did we, Joanne? We did not, but we forgot Mystic Mary. I don't want to leave the nebulous mystic out. Who's not with us because Who's not she's with us today? cavorting on the beach, I believe. Yes. Didn't we say that already last two podcasts? We did say it last two podcasts. Oh. I thought you interrupted me to tell me about your Supreme Court. I did. Last time we were meeting, uh, I was told that I made something up about <laughs> flipping off the police. Um, and while, listeners, I do not advocate that you do this, it is your constitutional right. Flipping a bird is protected by your First Amendment rights, the federal courts. I want courts. to know which, um, which of the Supreme Justices voted yay on that. I can't tell you which Supreme Court Justices, but it was Miller versus California in 1973. I was vindicated two years after I was arrested. Oh. I wish it were Camp versus the state of Alabama, but it's all right. Um, Okay, Joanne, thanks for clearing that up. All the Supreme... Joanne, by the way, is our Defender Mystic, and I think she passed the bar in Alabama, but sometimes I wonder. <laughs> I struggled through the bar in Alabama. <laughs> Back to the reason we're here today, which is um, we write fiction, and our main fiction book is Be the Flame, Not the Moth. Actually, uh, it started out as just Be the Flame, and... Margie, can you explain to us what happened? No. <laughs> <laughs> what well, I think she would like to say is... <laughs> well, our, I will say that um, the, the person that was going to be our publisher was our publisher for the first book, told us to keep it short, right? That's true. Okay. Marion, do you remember this from our history? I remember that we submitted the manuscript... And the publisher was not interested because one reason he gave that was that it was too long and too complicated and that we might get sued by the fabulous Mr. Fox. <laughs> and also you had to have an IQ of at least 100 to read it. And we got back together and edited, edited it, whittled it down and made a shorter, tighter, more concise book. 
Uh oh, I think Margie remembers. This I'm remembering now. now. The controversy <laughs> was about my illustrations because they did look too much like the Fantastic Mr. Fox. But I've changed those, so that was my part. So now, is this the same book that when the publisher initially wasn't going to take it, and then he called back and said oh, he would because he read it? That's exactly the okay. book. It was called Be the Flying. This is before my time. This is yes, it's before you were aproned. Mm-hmm. But. Um, when we decided later that we wanted to, well, we needed to reprint the book because it was very popular. We sold out the first night. So we should get a publisher that wanted us to write longer books. So we just made the book longer and got another publisher. And so Be the Flame, Not the Moth, is the um, big version of Be the Flame. So Marion, have you, uh, what did you write for this book? For Be the Flame, Not the Moth? hmm Well, I wrote some fabulous fiction. I wrote... Do you own one of these books? I see you've taken mine. I, I do indeed. <laughs> I, but you have Lolita sitting in front of you. I'm trying to understand what our blog is about at this point. Well, I was just flipping through Lolita before I got here. <laughs> In um, Be the Flame, Not the Moth, I um, actually put a couple of um, memoir-type creative essays and some short stories. The Waitress and the Circus Woman's a favorite of readers. The Moon and the Stars, which became the title story of my own collection, Chicken with Stars, and some short um, nonfiction memoir pieces. Aha. Uh-huh. Joanne, did you contribute to this book, and do you remember, or did you bring Lolita with you to read today? No, I did not, but I do remember that... I cannot believe y'all are having to pass my book down. Don't well, you own we, a book? Now, of, are we talking about the original? No, you know, or we're the talking about one? this book. Well, on, on the... Yes, the deluxe on, edition. On the original, I, in line with being the Mystic Defender, I um, contributed Black Story, which was a story loosely based, maybe, possibly, on someone I represented. And then March Murder, of course, if you're an attorney, you have to throw in some murder. And then I contributed Rowena Comes of Age, which is one chapter of a a larger novel that I'm working on. Oh, that reminds me, Joey. And speaking of larger novels you're working on, I find this very interesting, and I bring it up from time to time, not just to embarrass Joanne, but because I don't quite understand it. Joanne, exactly how many novels are you working on? Right. One, two, She's counting on her hands, audience. Four. Well, I have to, right now, just four. Just four? That's a dirty lie. No. Well, you asked how many are working on. Do you want to know how many I've started? Yes, that would be good. I want to know the total number. Probably of the ones I've started, the number is closer to seven. Yes, I would say. Which is a magical number. It, it certainly is. is. It's my well, favorite and number. My very favorite one of the novels that I have a hard time keeping up because when she starts reading us a chapter, um, at our meetings. I'm not sure which book we're listening to, but my very favorite one I've threatened to write myself and put my name on because Joanne has only gotten to chapter four. But uh, be that as it may, I haven't done it yet. I know. I even promised Emeritus Mystic Judy that I would finish up one of them for her because she enjoyed it so much. Margie, tell us about your art in this book. Did you bring a book? Do you own one of our books? 
I do own one of these books, um, even though I've sold quite a few. I own both the original and the deluxe edition. Um, in the deluxe edition, I managed to, along with our mystic portraits, I did an illustration for one story in each section. So there are illustrations that go with one of the stories. So that was kind of fun. So more illustrations in Not the Moth than in Just Be the Flame. Maybe we should explain that each section means each mystic has a section in the book. And in the front of each one of our sections, Margie illustrated us and made us quite lovely. And then also... Oh, I think mine looks exactly like me. I think mine looks exactly like <laughs> me, too. And, and you're both lovely. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Katie. <laughs> I've told him they owe me for facelifts. <laughs> I'm a floozy coming out of a window. What do you mean? What do I owe you? <laughs> so if you're confused about how we write our books and there's six of us, we all meet on the first Wednesday of every month and we bring something to read. And we do assignments that are assigned by who but the queen. The queen. My favorite assignment is when we wrote our own obituary. And unfortunately, our guest wrote the best obituary, not the mystic, so we've not invited her back. <laughs> what was your favorite? Do y'all remember your favorite assignments? We seem to have a lapse of memory today among the mystics. I think they started their wine before they came to the podcast. No, not, not well, you know, that, could, that might be possible because I consider this a mystic meeting, so why the not? I um, always use the assignments as a springboard to do something totally different. Some of the assignments I remember, because I was thinking about them the other day, is we wrote our own obituary, as you stated, our earliest childhood memory. Remember Mary wrote about the dog that ate the ice cream that the milkman gave them, or maybe the milkman got. Oh my gosh, speaking of milkman, let me interrupt you. Marion. Yes? Not only does the milkman come around your house, but also, don't you have a potato chip man bringing chips to your father's store? <laughs> well, I have a story about a potato chip man bringing... Is this fiction or... We're fiction writers. <laughs> We're fiction writers. <laughs> Aren't we based in truth? All fiction is What's based... What's the name of this story? The Crispy Spud Man. Okay, well, let's hear about the Crispy Spud Man. Then we'll get back to Joanne's list. Well, the Crispy Spud Man is uh, the story. You want to hear? You want to know about the actual? I don't know. Story? You just tell what's interesting. <clears throat> the actual published story of the Crispy Spud Man is written in letter form. The main character is writing a letter to the Crispy Spud Potato Chip Company. Telling, warning them that her therapist is going to contact them because her therapist thinks she's been damaged by the potato chip man who was too frisky with her when she was young. But she's assuring the potato chip company that it was fine with her because he gave her gifts, such as a beetle notebook, beetle bubblegum cards, and tumblers with the crispy spud clown on them. What is a tumbler? Oh, a drink it's glass. It's a glass. And do you have that glass still? I do indeed have the whole set, <laughs> of course. But um, the the um, letters go back and forth, and by the end of the story, the crispy spud company is settling with her, even though she's never asked for a penny. Oh, that's lovely. So that's how... Is this company still in operation? Yes, it is. Oh. It's fiction. 
Oh, yes, it's fiction. In my world. (laughs) Oh, Joanne, what were some of the other assignments? Some of the other assignments were um, a country song. Um, That was just shortly before, because I remember I wrote about the eggs that Bob found in the middle of the road. Do you remember that? I do remember. We used to live near the high school, and Bob would walk every morning by the high school and the high school cafeteria, and there was like a gross of eggs that the truck had dropped off and only two were broken. So we gave eggs to everyone we knew for weeks. And uh, we had, we uh, froze eggs. I didn't know you could even freeze eggs. You have to crack them and put them in a container and you can use them in your cakes. And no one died from any of the, that you know of? No, when we even produced this child here, (laughs) our producer. Um, The mystic Have we done any, since you've joined the mystics, Katie, have we had assignments? We have. We had um, the Dear Mystics assignments. Oh, I love that. What did we do? Those were fun. We wrote um, letters to the mystics seeking advice and then we answered the letters. And (laughs) I think that we... (laughs) Laughed more that night than any meetings that I've been to. We were sobbing because it was very funny. And then um, we've been doing sort of biographical assignments of um, not first childhood memory, but, you know, your memory from certain ages. So we're working our way to um, of a certain age. Of a certain age. That sounds like a book. Mm -hmm. The last one that I remember was the Queen asked us to write something dirty Dirty? Mary, yes. Mary wrote about um, roaches, and I wrote soft soft, uh, soft porn. <laughs> oh, you wrote, wrote porn? That's what's different. <laughs> it's also a chapter in my book, one of my novels. <laughs> oh, my God. Which book is that? Well, um, um, my favorite story that I wrote for the deluxe edition of Be the Flame, Not the Moth I'm going to read you the first paragraph. It's called Slow Dance Across the River Styx. John Leroy put a gun to his head and blew out his brains last Wednesday. Brenda, John Leroy's fourth wife, had thrown him out of the double wide a couple of weeks earlier. But that was just part of John Leroy's problem. I do know that Doc Jameson had given John Leroy some Paxil, but John Leroy said that Paps Blue Ribbon did a better job of knocking the memory back and dulling the senses. It's timed release, too, he said. Every time I lift my arm and take a swig, the pain releases a little. I can feel it sliding past my ears with the suds, said John Leroy. So that's Slow Dance Across the River Sticks by the Queen Mystic. And what about that Queen Mystic? Is that story from real life? No, no, that's totally made up, except maybe I was swimming with a city council person one day, and she said she had to go to the funeral of a guy that um, <laughs> had a, a shot his brains out. Right. And uh, he worked on, I think he was the city cleanup gardener or something. And so she gets there, and um, there's a Harley Davidson by the coffin, and there are four women sitting on the front row, and they all have children named after uh, John Leroy. So my favorite part, though, was this guy that looked like Cochise with a long ponytail, skinny guy, boots. He struggles up to talk about uh, his friend that is deceased, and he said they'd shared a lot of good times, and why, hell, they'd even married some of the same women. <laughs> So isn't it interesting what we'll 
create a spark for an idea. Oh, and, yes. All right. So I'm, because, you know, I'm the nonfiction writer and I'm working on fictionalizing my life or whatever's around me. Um, <laughs> we evolve fictionalized our lives. <laughs> I'm curious to know when you all um, have ideas, do you jot them down? Do you sit down and write immediately? Immediately. You just sit at the. If somebody tells me something that tickles my fancy, I go and write it down, even if it's in the notebook in my purse. Or if I'm at home, I go straight to the computer. And do you actually write to that prompt or just write the prompt down? I just write the prompt so I'll remember it. And same way if I'm interviewing someone on the telephone, I have to write it as they're talking to me. And then the minute that the phone goes, I go straight to the computer and type everything I've written. And even then, I'll look back at it and go, I have no idea what this means. I, uh, whenever I get an idea and I'm out walking, I record it on my phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you write it on a pizza box. We know. You well, told us. I have done that when I was driving. That but was now, one of the assignments. Now I have a phone <laughs> that I can record on. Back in the day, I only had pizza containers uh, when I was driving. Yeah, yes, I, and what does that, where were you and I, why did you have I a I used to commute from Auburn, Alabama to Atlanta to teach in my job, a tenure-track physician, which I would not give up. So I've commuted for 27 years, but it was How good. How long of a commute is that every day? Two hours each way. So I had lots of spare time. So I had a mystic assignment coming home, and I hadn't written it, but I just consumed a pizza. I had a pen, and I was driving down 85, and I was thinking, what am I going to write for this? And I was listening to an Atlanta Braves game. So I started writing down (laughs) the baseball game. It was kind of a stream of consciousness thing, you know. And then I started looking at license tags. And so I'd write down the license tags and the bumper stickers and then interspace those with the baseball game. Is this in one of our books? No, yes, it was in there because that was one of my favorite pieces of Margie. And instead of cussing the people that were driving, she just wrote down what they did. (laughs) (laughs) And had their license. Did you bring the pizza box to the meeting? I did. And that's one of the first... Uh, meetings that Mystic Nebulous Mary came to, which convinced her she wanted to be a mystic. <laughs> From the pizza, was there any pizza left in the box? Just the kind of dregs, you know, the, the crusty. My favorite story of Marky's hasn't been uh, in, put in a book yet, and it's the one about um, the pointedy bra that she bought herself in, in junior high school. <laughs> you mean that wasn't fiction? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, not. That wasn't fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll right. go on about okay. I'll go on about the bra real quick. So I was um, very under endowed when I was in eighth grade. My high school in Atlanta was eighth through twelfth grade. Anyway, I went to Woolworths and bought myself a big padded bra. My mother thought that it was ridiculous, so this was secret. And I would take it in my book bag, and I would put it on uh, ever in the restroom. And I didn't really know how to do it because I was very flat-chested. So the, my, my boobs came out of my shoulders, kind of. And so <laughs> I went into the cafeteria, very proud of my new bosoms. And my friend, ex-friend, Nancy, came up to me and said, where'd you get those boobs? And she pushed them in with both of her fingers. And they went in real far. And we were, I was standing by a table with all senior boys. And they all just, oh, and then they popped back out. And everyone laughed 
I'm sorry, Margie. That almost sounds like I'm a sorry, mystical Margie. power. <laughs> it was, and I, I had also quit wearing my glasses. I'm very nearsighted, so I, <laughs> so I look more gorgeous. So I ran out of the lunchroom and I put my glasses back on, knowing that nobody would then recognize who I was. <laughs> kind of as a Clark Kent thing. <laughs> Because they'd seen a girl without glasses with big boobs. And now it was a flat chest. Oh, I went in the restroom, took the bra, and threw it in the trash can. Oh. Aww. But Did you go was... into therapy over this? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Seems like, uh, Mary, do you have any bra stories? Mm. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> I tell the lint. The lint. Oh. oh, no, do not tell the Lent. I'm sorry. No Lent stories. We can't tell the Lent story. I, I really don't. If you, if you rate us five stars, we'll write it to you privately. It, it, <laughs> yeah, that's it. it is that's a, right. um, you can get the Lent story only if you give us five star rating. It is a wardrobe malfunction. I don't it, it's, it's rather a titillating story, I think. Is that I'll right? I'll say. Titillating would be the key word there, yes. <laughs> Katie. What a dirty mind for our best mystic. Well, Margie is here whispering in my ear to tell about the water bra, but I don't really know what to tell about the water bra. It's just a bra that's filled with water. <laughs> <laughs> but it has the same effect that Margie's new bra had, except that you cannot push it in. It's not going to push in and then pop back out because it's water. However, I suppose if you pushed it, too. It would leak. If you pushed it with your fingernail, you might have... Where it. does one get a water bra? Well, Not that I want Unfortunately, one. you have to get them off eBay now because they're no longer on the market. <laughs> Were there complaints? <laughs> There were leaks. I believe there were. I believe sometimes one cup would leak and the other wouldn't, and it would result in one sidedness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is unfortunate. Very. Well, imagine. um, I hope you don't wonder why you're single. (laughs) Well, no, I don't actually. (laughs) It's just a practical matter, but I would imagine that they would keep you cool. Could you wear them on your head if it was a hot day? Well, I suppose that, you know, what would be wrong with putting them in the freezer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet. With, with them, them being they probably sh- don't look quite as natural probably or move not. quite as naturally. And with them being in such short supply, I, I, well... I mean, you could get frostbite. You could get frostbite or... Also, when you walk, you could go slush, slush, you slush. Could, as, it, as you began to thaw. <laughs> could they function as a camelback? <laughs> well, I suppose perhaps they could. With the straw. <laughs> Uh, I hope the straws are biodegradable. That's true. Uh, That's true. Well, the camelback, you use it over and over again, so. What is it? Oh, I thought we were talking about a dromedary. No. <laughs> no. We're talking about... We're you talking also, about... If you, like, for example, if you were to, to slip your drink into the stadium or somewhere, you could... Oh. You could freeze your water bra in advance and... You know, that I would have I have it kept... on good authority from the sheriff that he's got this periscope uh, I don't know, I guess it's a truck that can go up over the top of the stadium and can see if you're wearing contact lens. So don't 
please don't put liquor in your water bra and go into the stadium or you'll be arrested. Actually, I was thinking in the day, that would have saved me a lot of embarrassment if I had snuck whiskey I don't know in. where you put that water, Joanne. <laughs> it wasn't water. It was a fifth. Is there a problem now with contact lenses in the stadium? No, 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 no. No, there isn't. Okay. Well, I think we should move on. <laughs> move forward, as you might say. So I do have a question for those who really want to get a copy of this book. It is still available, right? These, um, Be the Moth and is it, Be the Flame. I think it is on Amazon. Okay. Not the Flame. We'll have to check. Uh, be the Flame is no longer available. Okay. We sold all but the copy, the one copy that seems to be passed around among the mystics today. So if you have a copy, that means it's a collector's edition. Yeah. If you have a blue copy with a green moth, you have uh, a collector's edition. If you'll mail it to us, we'll sign it to you and mail it back to you free and but one of, of course the br- that goes with the five star rating that's right. true and one of the reasons margie may not have remembered this book was and that is the be the flame book was that she didn't do the cover margie was away cavorting in europe and we were anxious to get this one to press. So. Is that the time we broke in her house? Yes, yes that's exactly right. We broke in her house to get the illustrations. Why did we do that? Because we were anxious to have it out by Christmas. Yes, I was out no, in the country. Yeah. Well, the publisher called back, and Margie had already gone. Ah, and I see. We, when Margie left the country, we didn't know we had a, a deal with the publisher. Or a deadline. Or a deadline. And then Margie left the country with the illustrations locked up in her house, and we had no choice. How did we break into her house? Oh, I don't think we should give that information <laughs> over the air. Think that and, that and her yeah, address. because tomorrow you'll bring some Supreme Court ruling about how there were really our illustrations. Actually... I can give you a Supreme Court ruling about breaking in. If you break into some, I want to give bad information here, but if you break into someone's house without the intent to commit a crime, it is not burglary. And we did not intend to commit a crime there. We just wanted to take back. But is it breaking and entering? Well, trespass. Oh, well. Margie, are you going to press charges? <laughs> no. <laughs> Statute is run anyway. <laughs> what? How long does it take uh, to... Uh, for the statute of limitations being up for for stealing the illustrations of a book. Burglary and the illustrations, it would matter, the statute of limitation would matter on the value of the illustrations. And of course, Margie's illustrations. Oh my God, we'd be in prison forever. We Mm -hmm. would be. And we'd be in Alabama prisons. Mm. But actually, it wouldn't be more than 20 years. Oh, good. Well, to just sort of change the subject a little, I'm wondering what fiction books the mystics are reading now, presently. Oh, maybe they do. Do y'all read? I forgot to ask that question. We do, do read. Do the mystics read? <coughs> we do. Marion says that a good writer is a good reader. Has so, to be. I think so. Well, okay. I think that's true. Well, I'm reading Family Bible, and it's uh, by someone named Delbridge. The reason I'm reading it is the last Thursday book club has to read it in order to go to our next book club, which is being held in Past Christian, Mississippi, because why have it in Auburn, which is only a block away where we have our book club, and we can drive five hours to have a book club. Oh, I think that's marvelous, though, to get out 
and see. Katie's in that book club. I am. I am. Are you I, going I haven't to started pass? the book yet, but I'll get it done before we go. She can read it on the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may be that's, driving. That's probably not a good well, idea. Well, the last Thursday book club, which I am the queen of that as well, of course, keeps asking me what day we meet, which I find pretty <laughs> strange. <laughs> I'd say, well, I think we're going to meet on the last Thursday of the month. And then they all have this weird thing where they can't find where we meet, although we meet in the same place and have for 10 years. Well, it does change its name occasionally, like recently. La Palma is now Keo's. Well, I call it La Palma Thai because it had wonderful Mexican food. Now it has wonderful Mexican food and Thai food. Mm-hmm. So and we have our book club meetings there. Not we to mention that to the be, margaritas are pretty fine. And we seem to be um, contributing to that establishment often in these ways. So The other book I'm reading right now is called Over Story. O-V-E-R Story. Over Story. I can't remember who wrote it, but his IQ is above 100. And I'm reading it on Kindle, and I love reading it on Kindle because when you don't really know what a word is, and there's so many in this book that I don't, you just touch it, and the Kindle magically tells you what it means. So Overstory, the first 300 pages, I recommend so highly to my friends that do have an IQ over 100. Did I recommend it to you guys? Yes. (laughs) No, you haven't to me. Should I take offense? (laughs) No. But... um, I was so enthralled with it, and I got to page 300, and in the little bar down below where it tells you, I realized I had 300 more pages to read, and now I'm not quite as taken with it. So I'm back to reading Family Bible. Overstory is a story about trees. (laughs) Even better. That's right. That's right. So y'all aren't reading anything presently. Well, I think, yeah, we I think we are. I'm, or listen I'm, to you. I'm teaching American literature right now, so the main thing I'm reading is what I'm teaching. Well, what are you reading? In the American literature class, th- this class is divided up by subject and theme, not not chronologically. So we're reading right now. We're reading Emily Dickinson's war poems, Walt Whitman's war poems, and Flannery O'Connor's. A Good Man is Hard to Find, and Addressing the Themes of War and Violence. Have you always taught English classes? I have taught foreign language classes and English classes my entire adult life. Foreign language classes? and What foreign language do you speak? Spanish. Could we have a little sample? Por supuesto. What is that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I will add that Mystic Joanne is much more fluent in Spanish than I am. She talks to all the Spanish criminals in the jailhouse. She needs it. Por supuesto. (laughs) (laughs) And solamente porque yo practico cada día. And only because I practice every day. And and also because... Practice law or Spanish? Ambos. Mm. Both. Also, I went into foreign languages because I fell in love with Hispanic literature and, and not to learn the language. A Hundred Years of Solitude. Well, that would ah, certainly yes. be one. Yes. House of the Spirits. Yes, that would be another. Uh, like Water for Chocolate. Yes, that would be another. What is that book you're holding up, Marky? Uh, Pablo Neruda. And poetry. why did you bring that to the podcast? Because we're going to be talking about poetry later. Oh, we are? Yes. And, and our next your, podcast. On our next podcast. All right. Oh, so I'm does, reading. Go I'm on. reading. Uh, I read. I, I did read. Uh, Eleanor Oliphant is perfectly fine, which was a delightful book. 
I'm also reading another really dense book called Lincoln and the Bardo, which oh, is I a want to read that. fabulous book. It's really, it's heavy. But it it's, is heavy. It's, it's very good. And it took me a while to figure out what was going on. Another not, yeah, it takes a while. It takes many readings, I think, but well worth it. Uh, also, another uh, book that I read, not fiction, but it's great, called The Soul of the Octopus, and I recommend it to everyone. Oh, I have to write that The Soul of the Octopus. You will never eat octopus again, and you will be amazed at these creatures. And you learn very early on that the plural of What do you mean I'll never eat octopus again? Have I eaten it in the beginning? Well, maybe not. But I actually liked it, but not anymore. Because they're so so kind of alien, human-ish, weird. ever eaten polpo? I have no idea. I hope not. Usually, and that's what they serve it as like with seafood platters in Mexico. When I was living in New Orleans back in my wild days... We um, used to go to a restaurant, I think, called La España. I don't know even what that means. but Spain? La España. <laughs> but España. We, uh, we ate octopus cooked in its own ink. Oh. Well, that would be squid, maybe. <laughs> Octopi have, squ- have, have ink. Well, they can set up a subterfuge. Go ahead. Since y'all have brought up the name Eleanor a couple of times in this conversation. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. I just wanted a story popped into my mind that has nothing to do with what I read. That's fine. But um, a few years ago, when I was teaching English at Auburn still, there was a young man in my class who one day he found out I liked country music, and he said, well, you know, I'm married to George Jones and Tammy Wynette's daughter, Georgette. And I said, no, I didn't. The rest of you may go. <laughs> Billy and I would like to talk. So Billy and I talked, and he brought me, he, was, he actually brought me one of Tammy's gowns, but Georgette wanted it when she saw it and kept it. But he brought me Tammy Wynette's copy of Eleanor of Aquitaine, signed by Tammy Wynette, and a bottle of Tammy Wynette. Oh, see there. That's, that's one of the highlights of teaching. Did at you Auburn. drink it? No, no, no. I put it in the china cabinet. Okay, good. You've still got it then. <laughs> How I many china cabinets do you have? Well, in the main house, three. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, four in the den, and the one um, in the in the uh, sort of living room slash kitchen slash dining room. It's actually a gun cabinet, but uh-huh. it holds the crystal. My friend Joan did that. She took a gun cabinet in a house that she lives in. There was a gun cabinet in it, and she, as they love to say these days, gutted it and made it into a china cabinet. I had a brush with, with um, fame, uh, musical fame, and that is I uh, went to um, a friend of ours. Um, Johnny? Rich, Johnny? graduation graduation retirement party and um there were maybe 20 people there and most of them were musicians not the queen she does not musician but um and these people hardly knew each other in fact some of them didn't know anybody and they got up and played their instruments together and they were quite good and that shocks me because i can't hum or tap my foot much less play an instrument with strangers but pretty soon, Jet Williams showed up, that's Hank Williams' daughter, to sing with this group of uh, musicians. So that just made it all the more fun. 
And I thought that was an excellent retirement party. I think so, too. No one came to my retirement party because I went back to work the next day, so it didn't count. (laughs) Well, they didn't know you had retired because you were still there. And don't you ever say anything to me about retiring (laughs) than going back to work with that. Well, I have read something that the Queen has suggested, and that is the last report of Miracles at Little No Horse, which I loved. It was fabulous. It was fabulous. Is it Barbara King Solver? No, Louise Louise Erdrich. Yeah. And I also just finished, before that, The Great Alone, which was frightening. It's about a family that moves into a homestead in Alaska and basically are on their own. Oh, that's a new book, isn't it? Um, you know, I don't know. It's um, I'm trying to think if it's a. I think it's a Kirsten Hannah book, and but it was yeah. It it's a. It was very well done. It amazed me. You know how she tied everything together. Katie has a lot of book signings at her house by authors. Who's uh, tell us about some of those? Well, so um, I go to a lot of writing conferences and. Um, so I get to meet authors who aren't necessarily local. So I've, we've had a few that have come through town. But the one who, who's my favorite is um, Bren, Bren McLean, who wrote a book called One Good Mama Bone. So, if, <gasps> and it's a fabulous book. She's, she's out of um, Nashville, but she's, just, she's wonderful, and that book is wonderful. It's won all kinds of awards, including a Pat Conroy Award. So it was so cool to, you know, you knew, I knew them when, when the book was coming out. Mm-hmm. So she had a book signing at That was a wonderful book. It was it, one of those books that grabbed your heart, took it out. Marion can't read it because it started no, off it does with, start, yeah. with, it started off I with a calf. I could hardly stay at the reading, even though I realized it was good writing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, but it's about, um, it's about a, a family well it's it's the the front part is a little complicated but a woman raises the child of her neighbor and the child's father is the woman's husband and her mother the the main character her mother had always told her that she didn't have one good mama bone in her and so she goes about raising this child and trying to make him her own and they raise they raise a calf for the 4-H, but do not realize what's going to happen to the calf once it's raised. But it's about raising the calf and her. She's a seamstress and how she sews for all these very wealthy people, but she's just barely scraping by herself. And just her coming, almost her coming of... of well, don't yeah. tell too much because I haven't read it yet, but I I'm have not. a copy That's that I, I bought. I was being oh, careful about it, but... One Good Mama Bone... One good mama bone. And it does start off, for those of you who are tenderhearted like Marion is about animals, it does start off with a, a calf dying at the, at the beginning. So just skip over the, the first couple of paragraphs and get right into the good writing. Well, the book that I'm reading, Family Bible by Delridge, she's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which we could hold against her. But mm-hmm. actually the writing is excellent. And the person who's um, hosting our uh, last Thursday book club is a wonderful writer herself. She's a, she was a syndicated columnist before she really retired. And it's Rita Grimsley Johnson. And I noticed in this book, 
family. Uh, Rita can turn a phrase. Oh, yes. And she does it beautifully, and she manages those words to everyone's delight. And that's true of the author of uh, Family Bibles. So I looked up uh, on Amazon Family Bible, and she's only had 21 reviews. And not Rita. Rita's had millions, but um, but this this author, and I'm surprised at that because it's such an excellent book. And I know that's why Rita picked it for us to read. And I think that's just part of um, I don't you know like I I don't do reviews, but I read a lot, and so well maybe writers just don't go and fill that in. So all you good readers out there, maybe you should review those books, including us. Yes, and. and um, Speaking of Rita, she wrote the foreword to the book that no one seems to have here except the queen. Be the flame, not the moth. And that's why you're the queen, Gail. Yes, that's right. But I would like to read uh, two paragraphs from the foreword that Rita wrote. And she's talking about, of course, us. And she says, you can feel the joy and enjoyment in this expanded edition of Be the Flame. I know these women, and I can picture them in their process. They're having fun. A little too much, perhaps. Not a single one of them is dependent on a word for making a living. They're teachers, lawyers, estate auction planners, farm wives, the kind of village people group that for decades have gotten together and read aloud original stories and poems, drink wine, and kibitz. I could actually hate them. Only the problem there is they're damn good. As a package, as individuals, you keep expecting to see an amateurish lick, a purple hue of overwrought prose. I keep watching for these, and I see something entirely different. How do they do it? How do they? How does this goods work come? How does this good work come so effortlessly? I'm sure I don't know the secret. I've never been able to accomplish anything else when I'm writing or write anything when I'm accomplishing something else. Mm. So that was the foreword by Rita Grimsley Johnson of this lovely book that I think is available on. You know, we ought to go on Amazon and look at our books and our reviews. Why don't we do that? We're very lovely on the back cover, too. That's a nice photograph of us. It certainly is. And if I can say so, it's my husband, who is our photographer. That's right, and and makes us lovely. That was made at June Corley's. No, it wasn't. Wasn't it? (laughs) No. Oh, no, that was the maple tree guy. Yes. Japanese maple trees. Yeah, we yeah, made them in Japanese, and it was and, and it the was, river uh, with the huge koi. That's right. One of our many. Uh, tell tell about uh, our picture shoot at Nina's house. Oh my gosh, um, Gail has a friend, and we all have a friend now, by the name of Nina. And Nina is a collector. Is that a? I would say so. A kind way to put it. And without each, filters. And each one of Nina's rooms has a theme, if not two or three. Um, And trying to, if you ever got lost in Nina's house, you would need a guide to get out. I wrote a poem about that. Do you remember how she couldn't find her husband? Yes. And (laughs) I wrote one about that too, and her dolls. Um, You wouldn't let me put it in the book. Um, (laughs) But Nina has collections of dolls. Um, One room. Is uh, is one room is uh, dedicated to these old uh, Raggedy Ann dolls. 
one. She has birds all in one room. She has bird dogs. cages. Bird cages. She had a didn't she have a carousel in one she room? She has horsey nene hanging from the living room ceiling. And one of my favorites though is a on the ceiling is a picture of Mary, the Blessed Mother, with screwdrivers forming her halo, her aura. It's called Mary Full of Hardware. No, it's Our Lady of Perpetual (laughs) Help. (laughs) So if you need a screwdriver, it's just right there. Yeah, they are removable. Yes, they are. (laughs) Well, my favorite thing about that trip was I did, it's such a shock to walk into uh, Nina's house that I didn't want to give y'all any clue about what it was like. So I just said we were going to be taking a road trip. And Mary came with a cooler and Cokes and sandwiches, and this is like five blocks from my house. When you say road trip, Mary believes road trip, like your book club is going on a road trip. (laughs) And she questions me, aren't you taking a cooler? No. So, uh, but it tickled me that Mary um, didn't uh, know that the road trip was actually... In well, town. None of us did. And we had great pictures. It was a great picture shoot. Oh, it was, it was a joy to be in Nina's house. I absolutely loved it. I liked it. her shoe garden, too. I liked that. Didn't you do an article on Nina's I did. yard? Yeah, you took me over there when I was doing a uh, gardening column about garden art. And so we wandered through the yard and, and then into the house. And as I recall, there were real live bunny rabbits in her bathtub. She had a bunny rabbit in one of the bathrooms. The whole bathroom had been made into a room for the bunny at that time yeah it was a very interesting name i'm trying to remember the bunny's name too because i when the bunny passed away i wrote nina a car all the dolls she knew all the dolls and all the stuffed animals were named and she knew the name of every one of them we're talking about thousands literally and and there was that baboon Oh, the, yeah. gorilla. the gorilla, the gorilla costume. Yeah. Gorilla. The gorilla costume had a name also, and it stands in the kitchen. Remember, I know. It's if you peek among the miasma in that house, she um, has some very pricey stuff like galay lamps. And my favorite thing she has is a pin cushion from Germany, and it's Hitler bending over, and the the cushion is his butt that you've got to put your pins in. It's probably probably some of the things at Nina's house could not be replaced. Well, I, if, and I'm sure some of them are quite expensive, you know, because of, like you said, the the uniqueness of them. Yeah. So, yeah, we have some characters that we And, and she known. and her husband, Tim, are also making uh, glass. Oh, that's right, and ceramics. And, and ceramics. Yeah. So she's... Not only a great collector, she's also producing all kinds of art. I actually have a little uh, necklace that she made that's a a Barbie head um, with... (laughs) A Barbie head? Another doll. This is so charming. Uh I haven't seen you wear the Barbie head. I only wear it on special occasions. (laughs) Was it like Barbie anniversaries? Yes, Barbie anniversaries. Barbie birthdays? Uh And uh, uh, where else would you wear a Barbie head? (laughs) Oh, you got me. I don't know. <laughs> Christmas, anniversary. Do you have a Barbie head necklace, Marion? I have a top shelf of the closet filled with Barbies. Oh, you do? I do. Do you have the Auburn Barbie? 
No, but I have the pregnant Barbie. There's a pregnant Barbie. There's a yes. pregnant Barbie. Yes, her. That her, is just wrong. Her stomach is attached to her by little tiny magnets, and then <laughs> in the box with pregnant Barbie come twins, little babies. So you can pop. This is just wrong. You can no, pop no, no. the belly off when the babies are born, and Barbie and Ken. What was the name? Are Barbie of and Ken even friend? like married? Well, I don't know about Ken's friend. I have. I also, though, might want to point out that I have Malibu Ken. Oh. <laughs> he looks like he might have several friends. <laughs> are, they, are they girls or boys? <laughs> Both. It's, He's not picky. Depends on what's in your Barbie collection. <laughs> I have. That's fascinating. I wonder who the baby daddy is. Well, you know, we used to always say G.I. Joe. <laughs> That's so. Would you please <laughs> at the next session? Would you be kind enough to bring the pregnant Barbie? We would like to see it. Certainly. That's right. Certainly. You don't ever wear on a necklace like Margie does. I don't have her on a necklace, no. But I would like to have the little twins to put around my neck. Well, oh. I actually can hook you up with somebody on Etsy who can see that happen. <laughs> what? They have Etsy. Barbie fetuses on Etsy? Not, no, 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 no. But she could make them out of um, king cake babies. Mm. Oh, that's right. That's right. My king cake baby this year was um, of a different ilk than the other yes. king cakes I've been getting. Mine was too. I think mine was from Guatemala. Ah. Oh. Well, there we the go. Baby. I got they the have baby. All branching out. Cake babies that are anatomically correct now. I did. I, they're so small. Who knows? They have the choking <laughs> hazard. My king cake baby this year was. What, the, what do you mean they have the choking hazard? On the top of the king cake, they have a big thing that says choking hazard, and the baby is on top of the cake instead of embedded in it. And my king cake baby this year was attached to a plastic disc that you couldn't swallow. Oh, that's good. So you know, that's correct. <laughs> well, Johnny Bedford brought me a king cake, and it was a choking hazard. That no note, you know that, that we all knew there. What happens though if you find the baby? What does that mean? I, I think know. you have good luck for the rest of the year. And don't you have to buy the king you cake have to the, buy next the next year? Ah, oh, see, I'm not from New Orleans. It's a responsibility. I know, and I got the baby, and where am I going to buy a king cake in Auburn, Alabama? Publix, Publix, Kroger, Publix, Winn Dixie. Yeah. Publix will save you every time. Winn Dixie yes, actually had the kind last year that had the cream inside. <gasps> Publix had my favorite potato chips today, and my sweet darling son brought me three bags home. They've mm. been out of stock. I think they're seasonal. They're Creole onion. And wow. um, so I ordered them off of eBay, and I ordered a box of 100, thinking that I'd never see them again, and I better stock up. And <laughs> <laughs> this is better than the, the survivalist people who put rice and bins in their bathroom. I put Creole onion potato chips. I have so a five-gallon <laughs> bucket of rice in my closet. That's just wrong. No. I, yeah, you'll say so when the Great Depression comes or whatever is supposed <laughs> yes. to come that these survivalists are preparing for. Um, I have a friend who is a survivalist, and he invited me to come to one of his sessions did you look. go? Of course I did. They kidnap I, you and then they feed you Kool-Aid with poison in it. No, 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 no. That he's not like religious crazy. <laughs> no. He um he's regular crazy. He's regular crazy. Well, they, you know, they had um a souvenir about let's see they had a session about um you know, making sure your guns are loaded and things like that. 
and then and they gave <laughs> and they gave away a gun to whoever was in the. It was a drawing. Exhibit. There was a drawing. Or you had a number under your chair, and you reach under your chair, and if you're no, you had to sign in and sign up. So and then they had let's see. Oh, they told you what to keep your radio in so that when the electromagnetic pulse happens. <laughs> The radials in your batteries will still work. So we had. Please tell us what to put it in because I'm now very worried. You put it in, and I can't think of the exact name. Is it the same thing you put your credit card in to go through the airport thing? Yes, this was, you get a metal. TSA can steal your credit card number. Is this what you're telling Mm -hmm. us? Yeah. Well, you get a metal bucket and you, you do something to suspend whatever it is that you're trying to preserve in case when the magnetic pulse will hit the metal bucket and not your batteries and zap them out. So is it lead? lead Where is the magnetic pulse coming from? It's coming from China. Are you sure? (laughs) It's not aliens? China, China, Russia, whoever can go up there and pulse one down. There is a book. Go up where? Mount Everest? or No, they just have to fly over and they're probably using those drones to What's do that as we sit. Back to yes. your rice. Back to my rice. So as a parting gift, you know, you can't go to a party without a favor. Um, they gave everybody a bucket of rice, a five-gallon bucket of rice, in some sort of mylar bag with a, de- <laughs> with a desiccant in it so it will be preserved. And I will be eating rice while the rest of you wonder what We're going to gonna eat. be eating pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I've about what there, he's like a prepper right yes but okay. there is a series of books and all everybody up at the courthouse was a dither about it um the series of books is called one second after and the author is from north carolina and i can't think of where's that really what's the name what's of it? this series of books it's called well the first one is one second after then the next one is one year after and then the next one is like three years after. And it is a science fiction type thing about what will happen after the magnetic pulse. So that's like the Big Bang Theory? It's In the, the Denver opposite. airport. It, we saw a movie at Sundance with Blythe Danner and John Lithgow. And he was a prepper, and they met in a thrift store. I highly recommend it. <laughs> What's the name of that movie? I'm trying to remember, but it's new. It's just out. John Lifgow and Blythe Danner. It was at Sundance this year, and it was... Um, Step back. She's, you she, went to Sundance? Yes. Where, where is Sundance? It's held? in Park City, Utah, and it was started years ago by... Um, um, my favorite actor, Robert Johnson, Redford. Robert Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford. Robert but, but, I said Jeremiah Johnson. That doesn't work. <laughs> but anyway, my husband and I had never been, so we went. And it was uh, The Tomorrow Man. That's right. That was the name of the movie. Um, anyway, we had a great time. It's a learning curve. If you've never been to Sundance, start early. Um, we actually stayed in Kimball Junction, which was in between Salt Lake City and Park City, it's very expensive to go, but it's really worth it. You meet people from all over the world, and it's just really fun, fun, fun. Um, we'll probably go again. But um, anyway, that was a good movie we saw. We saw, like, maybe and 30 films. John Only Lithgow. he was a prepper. Yeah. And she was a hoarder. 
Well, you know, well, that oh, works. a match that, made in heaven. That sounds that like I should have written that book. <laughs> Do you remember my friend that you thought was so strange? Which one? <laughs> Which one, Marion? Well, one day, I think Rivers came to play with John David, and we went to his house, and they played in a playhouse or fort in the backyard, and I told you they would be fine, and they were. Do you remember I have this? no idea what you're um, talking about. Well, this but person was a survivor. I can assure you that John David and Rivers aren't fine. <laughs> they were just <laughs> working on it. Have y'all mentioned who John David and Rivers are? Well, John David is Marion's child, and Rivers is my loving boy. And Marion and I, as these children were unfolding and growing up, I'd call Marion and go, Rivers did this, that, and the other. And Marion would call me on a bad day and go, John David did such and such. And so I was out in an antique mall, and there's this long hall. And John David was walking down the hall, and he had this tall mohawk that was purple, orange, green, and blue. And he walked by me, and Marion was behind him, and I looked at her, and I said, you win. (laughs) (laughs) And shall we say, though, that um, Your Rivers is our mystic producer? That's right. And not only is he a wonderful producer, but he is a wonderful comedian. Yes, he is. And he He does stand-up comedy. he has his his own own podcast. His own podcast, does stand-up comedy in L.A. I know. And presently, he's touring on the world tour in the United States. He's starting here. I was going to say, and unlike our world tour, his is really a world tour. He's going all up and down the East Coast. World tour was Mississippi. What is wrong with you? Um, but Rivers uh, is going all the way to New York, and I said, "Don't you want your mommy to go to New York with you?" And Rivers went, "Well, um, well, uh, uh." So I guess he didn't. That was no. But you know, poor Rivers. We did. You and I showed up in the Yukon with him. That's right. And he he Rivers tolerated to us quite Yukon. well. It, Rivers went to the Yukon for the uh, Canadian Comedy Festival, and uh, it's winter. And I said, well, I'm going to the Yukon, too, if you're going, Rivers. So Katie is such a good sport. She went with me. And honestly, the snow was so high, you could not put money in the parking meters. Katie says to me, um, let's walk uptown. Now, this is black ice, black ice. And... Um, and then there are also the things on the roof that are going to... Icicles. Icicles that are going to stab you through the heart and kill you, which we didn't realize. We walked right <coughs> under them. But at the time, I was just learning Tai Chi, and I was learning to Tai Chi walk, and it's all about balance. And I figured it would work on black ice, so I said, I'll walk uptown with you if you'll Tai Chi walk all the way to town. So we looked like two overstuffed ducks. <laughs> Walking to town, <laughs> Tachi walking to town in Whitehorse, the capital of the Yukon. Most people already know how to Tai Chi walk because they learned it as a teenager when they were sneaking in the house at two o'clock in the morning where you Drunk. step and make sure the board doesn't squeak before yeah. you put your weight on it. And then you let up the last one. And do the next step. So Tai Chi walking is just yes. Yes, it's the way to to make it through the black ice in the Yukon. Or into your mom and dad, past your mom and daddy's bedroom when you've had too much to drink. Right. <laughs> so John David is, is Marion's beautiful child, and he recently went to Japan. He doesn't know anyone in Japan, and Marion didn't know why he was going, and, and he um, had one credit card, and 
oh. change of clothes and slept in pods. Good for him. Yes, he did. And he um, went to the sauna and got buried in black sand and all sorts of stuff that he'd read about that he wanted to do, and he went over there on his own and did it. Did he see Fujisan? I don't know. Fujisan is the mountain, Mount Fuji. I don't oh, know. I thought it was an ice cream. Fujisan? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Japan is one of my favorite countries, so I'm so proud of him for going. Well, I'm proud of him for going, too, now that he's safely home. <laughs> <laughs> Marion thought to, uh, to bar the door. Never oh, let you know, leave. one thing I wanted to talk about today, and we didn't do it, so when we have our next session about poetry, let's talk about it. Okay. And that is the same truth, is stranger than fiction. Oh, my gosh. And I wanted to talk about things that happened that actually should be fiction, but happened. And uh, my husband always says truth is stranger than fishing because that's his main sport, fishing. And, um, but truth is stranger than fiction. And I thought we should tell things that had happened to us or you'd heard happened that is true, not fiction. And I will say this about our stories. There's a little bit of truth in all these stories. In fact, there's a lot of truth in some of the stories. But I wrote a story one time about uh, my heart throb that I, you know how you have that one heart throb that treats you bad and... Um, just one? Just one, yeah. And you always think about this heart throb. She's so I never wrote had this story about him. And um, someone called me up from Auburn, that I grew up in Auburn, and said, I know who that is. And she named this person, and she was exactly right. And so I did the right thing. I said, this is fiction. That's this right. is not based on anyone living or dead. Read the small print under fiction. But you know, you cannot, there's nothing new under the sun, and you cannot write about an interesting situation without somebody saying, oh, I know them. That's true. You know, the, about our... Um, uh, about Jimmy Johnson that writes Arlo and Janice. That's what everybody says about him. You've been listening on our phone line, and you've been peeking <laughs> in our windows. But so my dad um, read the, the Winch cooking book from cover to cover. And dad is, for those who don't know him, is 92. And handsome. And handsome, Oh, my yes. gosh, And yes. fun. And, and so after he and read smart. it cover to cover, and then he said, that was great, but they're not shy about sharing, are they? <laughs> <laughs> and most of the stories. But Dad, that's fiction. He looked at me with a glint well, of suspicion. Most of the stories in the art of Wench, at least mine, are true stories. So about us growing up. Well, as I've been, several people have told me over the years, they don't understand why people would study literature because it's just a bunch of lies. And my answer is always that fiction is the lie that tells the truth. Because anytime you find someone who sets out to convince you of something, you're not getting the truth. You're getting what they want you to believe is the truth. Manipulation, and it rains today. E-I-G-N-S. Mm -hmm. But fiction, actually, if it's good fiction, the truth is there. That reminds me of, I, I deal in antiques and... 
a teacher that I used to teach with said to me, you know what I don't like about antiques? And I said, what? And she said, they're all very old. (laughs) Well, okay then. I guess you won't be buying any. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Well, uh, Joanne. Yes. Where can you find the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers? You can find the Mystic Order of East Alabama lots of places. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mystic Order of East Alabama. And you can find our show at on Twitter at the Mystics with an S pod. Or on youtube.com slash the mystics pod. And of course, you can always drop us a line at the mystics pod at gmail.com. And our direct messages, our DMs are open. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Remember, be the flame, not, not the moth. The moth. <laughs>